Yes, we're back. It's episode 80 of the Hibs Rambo. Welcome along. I've got Craig. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. you, my friend. And I'm also joined by Ryan this week. How are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. No, good to see oh, Hibs winning. So we're all good. No Craig. Uh, sorry, not no Craig. I'm, I'm too used to saying no Craig these days. Craig, uh, no Sean. Uh, he is um, in the middle of moving house. Uh, at the moment, so all the best with packing boxes and and, and what you're doing like that. Uh, Mark, uh, absolutely fuck knows what Mark. There's a real Mark. <laughs> fuck knows what Mark is up to. Um, on the run for someone probably. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> hopefully if he's known. I'm being on the pod that is rarer than yeah, I have exactly. been on the Fincastle. If he's known, if he's known Guantanamo Bay, he'll maybe be on if we beat Hearts. Right, we'll jump right in there. <clears throat> Dundee at home, lads, on Saturday. A 2-1 win, our first league win since, I believe, the 9th of December, uh, away to Livingston. Um, I think, I, I can't remember when our last home win was in the league. Was it Was it the week before that? Well, whoever they, were, whoever they played before Livingston, I, but I can't even... Did you beat Kelly at home the week before, was or was it... it? Feels like it has been a long, long, long time coming. And I was actually listening to Long Bangers. Um, Aberdeen. Was Aberdeen. Was I was Aberdeen. listening to Aberdeen. Long Bangers yesterday and Aberdeen. they were saying, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a calendar, however many months, two months or something. But when you think about it, we've yeah. not really had that many league games in that time because of the winter break and the Scottish Cup and stuff like that. So I think everything, things can always be spun in a positive or negative light, but I think uh, for this pod anyway, we've got to be spinning it in a positive light because I thought um, Craig were much better on Saturday. Yeah, no, I agree. I think <clears throat> I've been really critical of Hibs recently, and I know I specifically put it in the chat, like after 20, 25 minutes, I was like, same shite, different week. Um, I didn't th- I think... I think our main problem at the moment is persisting with this really slow playing out for the back goal kick. I know we've spoke about it, Ryan. Maybe I think it was your first pod when we spoke about that. And it, it, it's just a really pernickety thing, but it drives me insane how slow we are. Um, and it seemed to be like the penalty was almost a catalyst for us to get going because I thought after after we went one nil up. Um, it was probably the most I've enjoyed a game at Easter Road this season out with the Luzerne game in all honesty I thought we played really really well and it was only Trevor Carson that stopped it for being 4-5 maybe 6 if you want to be picky but no it was a really good performance and it's a good um, it's a good platform to use going into tomorrow for night. sure I mean we need to look at the the system again Ryan again we're, we're proving that 4-3-3 and I feel like I'm a broken record now every week talking about this 4-3-3 but I don't know if, it, if is this the first time that Venti and Marcondes have started in the same 11 in this system Um, you know looking looking into the first half I mean I don't think like Craig said we really got going until about half an hour in but uh, you know the link up throughout the whole game really with Marcondes and Venti Allowing Venti to play a little bit more advanced was certainly showing what he was more capable of rather than having him come play at fucking left back. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it, uh, it absolutely benefited the team, the way that we set up on, on Saturday. I think if you combine the midfield and the, the attacking third, it was probably the best team available to us um, in, in those two areas of the pitch, and it showed uh, with the performance. I thought that despite the result, saying that it was maybe closer than it should have been, I thought we dominated every metric statistically. I thought we dominated most possessions of play, and... Dundee had was it one shot on target and scored one goal, so that can be avoided hopefully in the future. Um, Craig spoke about obviously being a wee bit more methodical in the build up, and I do agree with him. I think there is times where we could maybe move the ball quicker forward a wee bit faster, and we would benefit from it. We do. We've got the right players up there now to kind of play on that counter attack more often. Um, with Boyle on one side and my leader played on the left on Saturday. We've definitely got pace up there. If Venti stays as the focal point is number nine, we can play around them. But um, Mark Andes, he is his ball mastery, his close control, his, his first touch. It's as good as I've seen since somebody like Russell Lappi at the club. It's unbelievable. He manipulates the ball mm. so well. Um, but he's, he's a cut above the rest quality-wise. And it's easy to see why we're going to kind of build the system around them. Whilst 100%. He's here. I mean, we can hark back again to, to the players that we've brought in uh, in January, Craig, week on week, they're looking like they're getting better and better and better as they're coming up to more full fitness, um, none more so than Nathan Mariah Well, which I thought, again, was really, really good on Saturday. All action, kind of, maybe his his best performance in the hub shot so far, his, you know, his defensive and attacking work rate is completely second to none. Yeah, no, he is. And I think a key point to probably mention is that um, the game almost turned when he went off. Um, maybe something we can discuss further on about Montgomery's in-game management. But it was definitely a great performance from him. I think the midfield, I, I, I wasn't sure how it was going to work with Marcondes because he's not your typical central midfielder. He's obviously like Ryan says, he's that latter PS player that likes to try and play a bit further forward. But I thought the blend between the three of them worked really well. Um, and I don't think it's any coincidence that Joe Newell's better games are coming now that he's got someone like Mariah Welsh next to him, who just seems to have bundles mm-hmm. of energy. He just wants to run constantly. And I think his quality yeah. on the ball is really good as well. Um, and I think that's what we were crying out for in January, was that sort of, you know, when we're going into games, you know, we had... Look at the semi-final, for example, and we had guys like Josh Landers and that coming off the bench. No disrespect to these young boys, you know, Rory Whitaker making their way in the game, but they were there through necessity rather than ability. Yeah. Um, we're now looking at the squad that we've got, you know, guys like Malida. I thought Malida was outstanding on Saturday. Um, Luke Amos as well looked a bit sharper when he came on. I think it's key when you look at the second goal, he actually worked his arse off. And he almost makes an arse of it to win the ball back. And it's the way that we break from there. Um, but no, this enlarged squad of quality is, I think now, especially when Montgomery's tweaking the, tweaking the system, is getting a lot out of them. Um, and I think Mariah Welsh has been a massive, massive I wonder if uh, when Mariah Welsh came in, because certainly when I, when I saw him come in, I didn't expect him to be as impactful as he has. I was kind of drawing some similarities and I'm, I'm in no way saying that he is as good as or is uh, on the same level of, but um, uh, he, he reminded me a little bit of John McGinn 
the way that he has the ball, the way that he carries the ball, and even the way that he kicks it. It reminds me of John McGinn, like his, his movement, his body. Ryan, is that something that you've noticed and did you expect him to be as impactful as he has? I didn't actually expect him to be that impactful given that previously he'd only kind of featured for Newport mm-hmm. County. I think he made a couple of appearances for Bournemouth. So for him to come in straight off the bat and basically start every game that he's been at the club for, he's multifaceted, he's all action and he can do the majority of what a midfielder should do and do it really well, as opposed to maybe having strengths and weaknesses. So I think he's a real asset in there for us just now. I can't say I can draw many comparisons to John McGinn yet, but he's definitely got the energy and engine that he has, uh, sorry, that McGinn had. Um, He's been integral to the way that we've kind of performed since Celtic. You know, obviously played well against Celtic, went on to play against Inverness, won up to Aberdeen and got the draw. I think he's, he's featured really heavily and really well in all those games so far. Um, given his age as well, I think he'll either be here for a long time or he'll go for a lot of money in the not too distant future. Um, it's one of those it's one of those guys that'll never be on the periphery of the squad, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, maybe Mariah Welsh. This this is maybe the key to this Bournemouth link up, as in, you know, if he comes to us for if he's came to us for free, but say in two years' time. Bournemouth buy him back for two and a half when he's valued at five, and then they sell him on for ten. Mm-hmm. Like if we're going to get eighteen to twenty-four months out of a player like that based on this tab, and again, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out tonight at the AGM. Um, if there's going to be maybe a bit more revealed about that, I think we've discussed we're going to do a sort of episode reacting to it on Thursday, obviously tying in with the Derby sort of review as well. But if he's the type of player that we're going to get through this link up. Then um, I don't see any any negatives to it at all. If you're getting players like that for eighteen months to two years, Marcondes as well. Like he's, <clears throat> you see his intelligence for the second goal is just. You don't get that. No offense, but you don't get that. Dodges up. Yeah, no, I, and it's it just again harps back to then the the, the quality of player that we're bringing in. It is all down to really to this um this link up that we've got with Bournemouth, but. Like you say, Craig is either going to be made or made or broken uh, at tonight's AGM. So we will be keeping a keeping a close eye on that. Hopefully, um, we'll get some updates throughout recording. But if we don't, we don't. If we do, we do. Another another standout that um, that I noticed on on Saturday, considering that he hasn't kicked a ball basically for. The best part of four weeks was uh, was Rocky Bushiri, Ryan. Um, I think everyone was kind of a little bit sceptical when um, they saw his name on the team sheet, but he did really, really well, didn't he? Yeah, I thought um, I thought he was a, a dominant figure throughout the game, and he, he showed up in the ball quite well. And his recovery pace is quite important to the way that we start attacks. Um, start attacks from the goal kicks and then look to move the ball up. If we get kind of caught out building up, then we're left isolated. So his pace is good there for the one-on-one situations. But I always think that if Rocky plays well, Hibs tend to play well. Um, and I thought he was quite reassured in his performance. I would probably like him to be more effective at set pieces. That's more a long-term thing. I think for a guy of his size and how big and strong he is, he should, he should probably be doing better sometimes in the opposition box. But I was, I was glad to see him back in the team take a wee bit of heat off uh, Trantis. I was also glad to see him put in a good performance. I know he's got and has had a lot of critics over his time here, but 
that performance will, will definitely help kind of make it easier to get back into the team 100%. permanently. I think, you know, he's, he's one of these divisive characters, really, isn't he? But, um, no, Craig, I thought he was, I thought he was superb. Um, you know, there was no rustiness whatsoever. Um, and, you know, like Ryan said, I mean, a lot of people have liked to write Rocky off and, and think that he's a bit of a bomb scare, but he really can't complain after the performance that he gave on Saturday. No, and I think it's indicative of the <clears throat> recruitment that we've done in January as well. It's all fine and well talking about the quality that we got in the midfield and forward areas, but we spent the entire month of January looking for centre-halves and we are now going into March and it's still Will Fish and Rocky that are at the back. Um, obviously, Bevan's got another injury and he's away, so that was a, a pointless signing. Um, Triantis just isn't it for me, like, at all, in the games that I've seen. So, you could, I, you know, and for Rocky, he just almost slot back in effortlessly. And even Paul, when he came on with the last... Tend to go. I know uh, Dundee have been quite good up front. You know they've got the uh, back of Yoko, who's a handful, um, and Michael Mellon as well. When he came on, he's a bit of a burly guy. And I don't recall Rocky or Will Fish being in any sort of danger for them. The only, the only thing for me was this. Um, this when when Dundee started, they went mm-hmm. down our right a lot, and the ball was. And again, you're probably better placed to speak on it than me because it's right in front of you, even though I'm at a higher vantage point. But two or three times it once again got in behind the right back. That seems to be the case, whether it's been Megua, Whitaker, or Miller in recent weeks. Um but other than that, like Rocky's been Rocky's been class. Um I think for the I did notice, games, I did actually notice that Miller before. struggled a wee bit at the start of the game. <clears throat> yeah, um, he was one of the ones that kind of grew into oh, the hundred percent, but then up. it's testament to Will Fish and Rocky whenever Lewis wasn't really quite on it or someone went past them or whatever. You know, they were then on hand to help clean up. It feels like the defence have been a lot more solidified in playing as a team rather than playing as individuals, which, uh, you know, we've seen quite a lot this season. So, the, I mean, the positive signs are definitely there. Yeah, we there's things to work on, but, you know, for me, we're, we're seeing progression. And... The, I mean, the main thing on Saturday was kind of get three points at all costs. We got the three points and we saw a half-decent performance. Yeah, we, we probably could have and, and probably should have scored more goals. But, you know, at the end of the day, 2-1 will get you the same three points as 4-1 or 5-1. So, you know, I was happy with it. Um, we limited a usually very, very firing Dundee to relatively little. I don't recall. Uh, was it just one shot on target, Ryan? Yeah. So yeah. Just so the goal, I mean, right? obviously they scored their offside goal, but I mean it was miles offside. But you know that limiting name to one shot on target is is impressive considering where where they are in the league and how they've been playing this season. So you, you've got to be happy with that. But Ryan, moving on, just want to chat <laughs> chat about the Trevor Carson foul. What an absolute. <laughs> I think it's one of those ones where it, it gets funnier every time you watch it. But you could, I seen it coming from the first juggle. I thought he's definitely going to take some do it here. Juggles that second time. I thought, fucking hell, he's going to get away with this. And it, it's just comical the way he takes him out. And he doesn't, 
I don't suppose he really needs to do it because there's a lot of bodies in the way, but he's just had a rush of blood to the head, obviously to Hibbs' advantage, because I think the longer it had went on, the kind of more nervy we were maybe becoming as a crowd and maybe even the players were becoming a little bit nervy. So it was good to kind of have something to enable us to get the breakthrough without having to cut them open and rely on a confidence that we don't necessarily have fully at the minute. So it was a wee bit of a, not a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it was almost like a here's one on us sort of thing. So, And it was also good that Venti stood up and took it because he's been through a little bit of a drought recently. Um, that'll be good for his confidence. Um, I know we're not talking about it now, but I thought the offside goal, mm, tight, tight. That would have done him the world of good like. But however, he gets his goal and he also got a very, very, very good assist for Malida. Malida still does a bit of work himself, but the through ball was beautiful. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, Craig, I wanted to touch back on the, on the Carson foul. I mean, if you're Trevor Carson, you're absolutely gutted because that foul has kind of dictated, like, dictated his whole game. I thought, other than that, he was he was superb. He made great save after great save um, in the first and second halves. But you know, like Ryan said, a, a total rush of blood to the head. You've got to be gutted. I mean, if you're a neutral watching that, you've got to be gutted for him. Uh, it was one of them, and as, as same as Ryan. As soon as I seen he spilled it, I was like, "Oh, no. oh, here we go." And then as soon as he's panned it away, I yeah. think it's Fish that tries to get in. And then you just see Marcondes at the edge of the box and you're thinking, <laughs> surely no. And it's like he runs, he tries to, I don't know, he like points out as if to say he got the ball. And then as he's running back, he just puts his head. I, I don't understand how he spills it initially. Like, because he, he actually, it's not as if he's like caught it with his fingers. And it's like, so he's actually caught and it. And like, let hands. go of it, eh? And then he's it's like he's kind of it's like he's like pushed the ball with his fingers and it's just came out his grass. So I was <laughs> it was but but you know what, like see sometimes, especially with the run that we've been on recently. Rubber the green that, that you sort need of thing to do, maybe it? Yeah, that that sort of thing maybe four or five weeks ago doesn't happen. Like the keeper catches it and still goes on to have a a solid performance. I mean he made a unreal save for Boyle, I think Boyle yeah. had a volley for like the edge of the box. And it wasn't even his, it was like mm-hmm. his forearm that he saved it way. So, no, I think uh, neutral-wise, you've got to be a bit gutted for him. But, again, I think based on his performance after that, if you're a Dundee fan, obviously you're pissed off at conceding the penalty. But then he's also stopped it for being a Townsend, which I don't think either side could have complained because they offered, other than their goal, which, again, is a speculative mm-hmm. hit for the edge of the box. They yeah, I mean... Trevor Carson, he's a decent, he's a decent enough goalie. I mean, we saw it at St Mirren and we saw it at Motherwell. You know, he's he is a half decent keeper, and you know, it's, it is it is funny. Like it is really really funny. It's a funny foul, but like you said, I mean, I think I would have been happy if that was a one 0 win. You know, by hook or by crook, uh, we would have taken to win that game. And if we, if we'd have won it one 0 with that penalty. I'd have been happy, and we, and we never had another shot on target as long as we got the points. But I think the good thing about Saturday is that, like you're saying, you, you know, you take the win, whatever way it comes. I think what's encouraging is that we also got yeah a for sure as well. We actually got I know two one on the face of it doesn't seem comfortable. It doesn't really. It, it doesn't really explain um, the the tail the like the tail of the game though because. No. You know, at, at no point 
you know, up until uh, Dundee scored, were you thinking that, oh, they could be back in this year, really? And yeah, they got their offside goal, fair enough. Then you would have been very happy. You would have been very content to sit for a point if um, we hadn't scored as yeah. as we did to concede them. Like, that's just ingrained in Tony Dot. He's been he's been around Derek McInnes for too long, so they would have been happy to just sit with a point. You know, rather than you've seen teams in the past like uh, St Mirren and uh, Livingston at the start of the season. When they got a goal, they went for another one. They went for another one. I don't see that in the yeah. Dundee team. So I agree. I never really seen. I never really thought much after, even after we scored. I never really felt that they were going to do anything to cause us a bit. Yeah, of, and I think probably that's a little bit of testament to us though as well, like how well we played and how well we yeah. kind of controlled the game and and uh, you know our defensive third and the and the middle third as well. You know, I, I felt like we completely bossed it, and you know they, they didn't really have a look in. Uh, you know, dangerous players like Owen Beck and, and Luke McEwen. I mean, obviously McEwen scored, but they didn't really, you, you know, if, if you'd have said, oh, Luke McEwen wasn't playing, I, would, I wouldn't have been able to go, well, I was, because... Uh, Owen Beck seemed, for the, was it the was it 0-0 at Easter mm-hmm. Road earlier on the season? Owen Beck seemed miles off compared to what he was that day. I thought he was absolutely yeah. outstanding that day. And we drew with him, and on Saturday there, he was just... He was just completely posted missing. Didn't he look no, fit? Absolutely. I mean, no, no, it's, it's definitely not. I uh, will chat about Venti's, uh, Venti's offside goal because there's been a lot of kind of tuning and throwing on, on Twitter and social media and stuff about why why is that offside and, and stuff. But I don't even want to get into a big, massive conversation about VAR again because it's every. Every week we're on the wrong end of our decision, and yes, it is offside. But when it's that tight, why do they spend as long as they do trying to? And I get it to figure out the right decision. But what what I advocate for, Ryan, is the the semi automated um, the semi automated oh. stuff that we saw in the World Cup. And I know that we Absolutely. can't afford it, probably, but. You know, you don't you don't even see that in the Premier League down south, and I just don't like. When is this going to? When's it going to change? So, if they were to bring that in, would they then do away with VAR for all the other decisions? Is it just the offsides that's causing the most bother? Offside. So my point would be, if they bring that in, will they also keep VAR to run alongside it for your handballs and etc. etc. The, the, the reason that they might not want to do the semi-automated thing is purely to do with cost. I don't know about down south because they could afford it, but there's no human error, no human error involved in it. It's all done by machine and it's perfect every time. It's one-sided, it's offside. It is the best example of technology that you can use for that kind of thing. But we are also struggling with the fact that our officiating isn't up to standard anyway. So we're kind of fighting a losing battle, whether it's VAR or on-pitch decisions. Um but, I mean, it's it's so close. However, where they're taking the lines from, is it the shirt line? Is it the elbow? Like It's just the camera angles are never straight along where it should be. It's also subjective and hard to kind of gauge whether it's on or off, regardless of what you've seen. So the cameras are, are supposedly are all calibrated before the game. So they're able to... So even though the line that you see... like the, I think the most ridiculous ones are one at Fur Park, mm-hmm. where it's almost like on top of that boy's house 
<laughs> and it's not in the centre of the park. Um, the the issue for me with VAR, right, is the length of time that we're taking to reach these decisions. Like, it was a good probably three minutes until Venti took his penalty. Was that what he did looking for? Car- Carson's... Aye, but he wasn't doing for that little amount of time. And it's the constant the constant checking re-refereeing like I don't maybe somebody else could come out and say I'm talking shit, but I don't recall any other team having as many contentious tight offside decisions against them as we have since it came in. You think back to the first game with St Johnston, Jay in the last minute, that we would have had a penalty, but he was off by a ball here. Melkerson when he scored away at Kilmarnock that subsequently now should have been onside because of the slight rewriting of the, the law. Boyle against Aberdeen at Hamden and then Venti on Saturday. That's just four off the top yeah. of my head. And it's... Uh, the, I've, I've said it before, Like if there's anything that's going to turn me off going to games, it's that. Because can it, even at the end of the game, like we'd organise to go out for our tea. And then that got chopped off and offside as well, didn't it? You <laughs> I fucking wish it hard, by the way, based on where we went. Absolutely <laughs> rotten. TGI Friday's fucking air. Fucking rank. Um, but the... Can it say, right, what time we get picked up? Right, I'll say about five o'clock because usually I'm out the ground by then. I'm still on the ground at five past five. Well, that's your own fault, to be fair. I know you that's a minor you know what? At the end of the day, right, clubs, clubs themselves can moan and bitch and cry about VAR all they want. The only club that can legitimately moan about it would be Greenock Morton because they were the only ones that said no. Every other club, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, Rangers, Celtic, Dundee, Dundee United, all of them, they all wanted it. So you reap what you sow, I'm afraid. And I do see a lot of folk on Twitter talking about it quite a lot and that it's ruining the, it's ruining the experience for fans going to the game. If you're watching that on the telly, and you know, they're you've got the commentators talking all why what's happened here, what's happening. You're seeing constant replays of the decision, you're seeing the lines getting drawn. Again, if it's a red card or a penalty, you're seeing it in triple slow motion to see what happens. But as at the game, we're just kind of stood there, like, what the fuck, waiting on the voice what, of Wilkins happening? to tell us, yeah. And uh, it's just it's just no enjoyable in the slightest. And I think that. The semi-automated one, if they can get that on the cheap, would be good because, again, that is the only non-subjective decision you can make through yeah. VAR. You're either offside or you're not. There's no well, the thing is, grey area that's between. What is now. There is a grey area yeah, because is... they're going... And it, it seems as if every week you're seeing a decision that's being made and they're drawing the lines from different points on the arm or different points on the knee or, or whatever. You know, it's... It's so inconsistent, and it is, it's not just us, but we've seen so many really, really poor decisions. We really have, but I'm under no illusions that every other team, you know, apart from your ugly sisters, will, will be feeling just as aggrieved. Um, you know, I think Hearts had a... Did they have a goal chopped off against us um, in the 2-2 game earlier this season? Was it in that game, or was it in a... Another, or was it, oh, it was maybe the penalty shout, or something like that, that really probably should have been a penalty. They had that one at Motherwell. Mingo yeah, that, I mean, in the chest. for me, like, but that, they, those those decisions are subjective because 
some refs might like to let a physical game go a wee bit. Other refs, like that Craig Napier, he'll blow for fucking everything. Anything and everything. You see Saturday, like, beaten. Beaten very rarely moved mm-hmm. outside the centre circle, unless he absolutely had to. He's one of the ones that's quite kind of contentious, Phil. I'll, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let play develop yeah. and see what happens. Those are, those are subjective, and you, you're never going to get, you know, handball to look at the penalty we got against mm-hmm. Triantis, right? And then you compare it to the one that um, Connor Goldson against Celtic. Yeah. When he's literally like that, his hands are up there blocking the ball, and it doesn't get given. The subjective ones you're never going to get rid of. No. I don't and, think. And that comes boils down to the complete standard of officiating in Scotland because you see it in the Premier League, right? These boys are full But they still have they, they still differ with their decisions. And they still make basic, basic errors. So uh, it's, I don't know I don't know what the what the end game is, but VR's not going anywhere. It needs to stay, but it needs to get better. Otherwise, and I think it will get better. I think it will. But game. we'll move on from uh, from that on a little, something a little bit more positive before we uh, head on to our derby preview. Ryan Mizian Malida's goal. Talk us through it. The thing of beauty, wasn't it? Ah, oh, it was lovely. It was lovely. I mean, I think it's all made in part due to the run that he makes out wide to pull the defender. They create the space for uh, Dylan Venity to thread the ball in, which he does perfectly, perfectly, everything, perfect line. And, um, yeah, he's, I, I think I said earlier on about Marcondes being great with the ball and being able to manipulate. Well, well, he does similar in that way, that he's really powerful and direct, and he, he does, he manipulates the ball and sells the dummy, um, fires into the back of the net. He's quite clinical um, with, with the chance that he has there. He, he knows exactly where he wants to go, which is straight to goal, and he's in no doubts about where he's going to put it. So he's absolutely clinical in front of goal from what I've seen. Um, but it was it was, it was was a good team goal, if that makes sense. There was a few players involved um, and it was nice on the eye. And I think um, it kind of put us in a wee bit more control. I mean, and it's the it's the goal that we kind of we've been screaming out for. We've The, the goals that we've been scoring recently have been coming off our side and et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah. you know, I thought he'd done too much when he put Shaughnessy on his arse, but... Um, no, I was gladly proven oh. wrong when he slammed at home, but you know, Craig gets I mean, that's the second time he sold somebody a dummy for one of his goals. Uh, he done the same mm. up at Inverness, so it's obviously something he's got in the locker and he quite likes to do to kind of create that more space for himself. But um, there was no long balls; it was all kind of played on the ground, and it was it was one of those goals mm. where you could kind of look at the archetypal Mont- Montgomery style football and say, well, this is the kind of way that he likes his teams to play, and and the reason why. So. Well, his principles intact despite the change of shape. We've seen the benefits exactly. of Exactly. I mean, Craig, one of these things that you were talking about with the, the slow build-up and stuff, but sometimes it does give you really good moments. You know, you look at that goal, you look at that goal up at um, Inverness as well. You know, there's been a couple of other ones that we've uh, we've managed to, to you know, start from the back and, and progress it fairly quickly. But that goal must have looked superb from where you sat, eh? It was class. I mean, like I said, Amos is the one who wins it back initially. Um, and then I do think we do get a bit of a lucky ricochet off of him um, because Rocky then almost just swings his leg at it. And I think it might be blocked by maybe one of the Dundee midfielders. But then it lands at um, Venti, who just knocks it back to Newell. And it's the header for Emiliano that makes it for me. Is I, like that's, I know it seems... It seems very, very simple to do in effect, 
but he's just uh, he's just managed to guide that into Venti's path, and it's ironic that we've we've spoken so many times about Venti playing so deep because he actually picks the ball up about probably forty yards for our goal. So it actually worked in a sense that he dropped deep in that yeah. that instance. But I, he's, um, I from what from where I've seen it, I, I honestly thought he'd held on to it too long. I thought he just held on to that split second too long, but then. Um, like Ryan said before, the way to pass was just perfect. It wasn't over hit, under hit. It was right into uh, Melida's path. Great time to the run as well. It was one of those where, yeah, once he's put Shaughnessy on his arse, you're then thinking, oh, is it? Is it? I think because we're used to seeing Ellie cut in, <laughs> stop, cut back out, stop, cut in, stop, that I was almost expecting him to try and sell the keeper a dummy because he's then trying to finish at the near post, but. No, I think for everybody involved, uh, Amos winning it back, Newell dinking it into Marcondes like that, to me, that's the type of goal I love seeing. A proper, that's a proper kind of goal. goal. Hibs goal. Um, yeah, I think we scored, I think there was a similar one, obviously different passage of play, but when uh, JF yeah. scored up in Dundee, when it went from back to front in about four or five seconds, like, those are the type of goals I love watching. And, Malida, I thought, had a, as I said earlier, had a great game on Saturday. Shaughnessy must have been fucking relieved when that <laughs> final whistle went. Um, because Malida yeah. tore him up time and time again. And it just shows that we've got those options in the front areas now as well. And that Malida can, you know, I think he's he's almost as effective out wide as he is as a, as a, as a number nine, like being that yeah. focal point. Um, but again, I do think it's it's good to highlight Montgomery's in-game management at times because two one up, he brings on Jair again. Like I don't even want to be harsh, but I think you know the redemption arc is on its way back down again. And if you're Dundee with four or five minutes to go, you're chasing an equaliser, and you see him come on. You, think, you don't oh, think that he could right. just have been seen, making sure that none of the important players were, were injured for the derby, though? Well, no, because Ellie Ewan sat on his arse for 90 minutes. Like, even just psychologically bringing Ellie on for the last five minutes would maybe let the Dundee fullback rethink, all oh, right, maybe I don't need to go forward. I should yeah. go forward, but I can't, because if I do, he's in behind me. Um, and like I say, the, the Mariah Welsh change early doors was... I don't know how much football well. he's played this season, um, though, Craig. So I'd, I'd maybe to see if he's no, actually I know, but I think up he, to he the, you know playing the full ninety. But he made the change. He was going to make the change at one 0 and then we went one all, and he mm-hmm. still made the change. I think if I'm right, if I'm wrong, then oh well. But I do, I do think he's, he is, he's, his in-game management does leave a bit to be desired at times. Um, but again, that's something that will probably come with time. We've seen it with the change of shape, changes where we're playing. Um, all that we need to do now is somehow get rid of these fucking goal kicks. And yeah, for sure. I mean, Ryan, we're looking ahead now to the derby, a big, big game um, on Wednesday night. Are you a little bit more confident after that performance on Saturday? Listen, you're never confident going into these games, regardless. You could be unbeaten for a year and still not have the confidence to and beat Hearts, but I think the players will probably be a bit more confident, given they went up to Aberdeen, um, probably weren't expected to get much for the game, come down the road with a draw, and then 
on top of getting three points on Saturday, as you said, it was a good performance. I mean, on on every metric that I've got written down, we've absolutely dominated them. I mean, limited them to zero point three seven xG in comparison to us having two point one eight. So that that's a, a large scale that you've tipped there. Um, and Dundee, I think, as you mentioned before, on a side that usually are quite potent in front of goal, they've scored quite a few goals this season and a large number of goals in, in some games, three and four goals, um, whereas we haven't really hit high numbers goals-wise. So to go and beat a team like that that are above us in the league will give us confidence, um, especially certain individuals like Venti getting his goal. So I suppose if I take emotion out of it, I probably do feel a bit better given the way we played on Saturday and kind of gathering a little bit of momentum as we go. Um, obviously, Hearts getting beat there 5-0 against Rangers could be a bit of a confidence kicker for them. It's not what you want going into a derby. So hopefully the heads are down from that uh, on their side of things. I mean, I, looking at it, Craig, I'm feeling a lot more confident than, than I was before a ball was kicked on Saturday. You know, I think now it's, it's amazing what 90 minutes can do. Eh? Uh, but... Um, now, we're going into that game with, you know, Mariah Welsh, who's firing all cylinders. Joe Newell, again, I thought had a good game on Saturday. Hopefully, he's uh, coming into a little bit of form again, you know, Mark Ondes. Is that the midfield three you go with, or do you think we need a little bit more bite? Nah, that's the midfield three I'd go with. You've got almost a bit of everything in there. You've got the sort of tenacity and dig from Mariah Welsh, you've got the calm and poise in you, and you've got the attacking intent from our context. Um, I mean, history, if history's taught me anything, I mean, I've I've missed one, I've missed two derbies at Tynecastle since I started going in 1998. So history's taught me to be anything but confident. Um, I don't think our result on Saturday makes much of a difference. The same token, I don't think Hearts getting scalped makes much of a difference. Um, that Rangers team seemed to be clicking just now, and it was almost like they were due to give someone a scalping, and it just happened to be Hearts. I think what we sometimes forget is that if and when Celtic and Rangers turn it on, they're capable yeah. of doing that to any one of us. And we've seen in the past, they've even done it to each other. So I don't think that result from their perspective will harm them too much. Um, I do think that there might be an element of overconfidence coming for them, given the run that they've been on prior to the Saturday. Do you, think, do you, think, do you honestly think Saturday. that, though? Because I feel that every time we go into a derby, regardless of the run that either of us are on, I know it means the same to both teams, but it always seems like Hearts' whole season hinges on beating us. And that gives him the extra, yeah, it does. that extra bit of belief. I, mean, I, I don't, I don't buy into this narrative that it means more to them. Like th this whole idea that, you know, when you see folk arguing on Twitter, like, oh, focus on your own club. Like, dude, like, what, what, what can I focus on my own club? I'm not involved in any of the decision making at the club. So me talking about your team on Twitter makes no difference. And I think that's the same when it comes for the stands. Um, naturally, they'll be loud because they're at home, but I don't think it gives it gives any bearing. I do think, from their perspective, if if we were to get a win tomorrow, it would hurt them far more than it would hurt us if we lost, only because of the way that their season's gone versus our season. Like in the history of the derby, especially in my lifetime, like these are the ones that we win. If we get a win. Tomorrow, 
Yeah, if exactly. But not not only that, but like, I mean, I've seen Hibs lose to Hearts more times than I'd care to remember. Like, what does one mayor? Fuck it. I'm just adding another notch to the bedpost. Whereas, us winning there, isn't something that we yeah. see a lot. And obviously, we've seen the reaction when we done it with Horgan and then Boyle. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm. I would never be confident going there ever. Never ever confident going there. I've seen better teams go there and get fucking leathered. Um, but there's. I don't know. It feels like there's something maybe in there. It does, uh, doesn't it? Ryan, does it turn into a must win for us, yeah. or does it stay a must not win? Uh, it's a, that's probably a, the hardest question to answer out of everything you've asked me so far. I think if we've got real aspirations to get not just top six, but European football, then I suppose it's one of those games that you kind of have to win before you, you come into the split and start playing them all again. You really need to start racking the points up and trying to claw back what, what you've already lost out on. I, it's not a must win in terms of Montgomery's job or anything like that, though. I think in terms of European football, it's one of the games that we, we have to win before we split off and start playing the old firm and Hearts and Kilmarnock again. But... Listen, I, I think the Hibs have got the quality that we could go there and show something different to what we did in the previous two derbies. Obviously, with the recruitments, the change of shape, the fact that Montgomery's been here that little bit longer now and has maybe felt, kind of felt his way around the league a little bit. He's played everybody. So I, I would hope that he's probably taken something from his last trip to Castle and he's thought maybe I could set up differently in-game. Maybe I could tweak things that I maybe didn't. I left too long. So... You know, it could be a real exciting affair. Like, really, could be if two, if the two teams are going right at it, it could be one of those real fiery derbies that we've seen in the past. That maybe I'll get to see because Sky is from Livingston and Motherwell. Oh, smart! I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that you know, Hearts are obviously they've been they've been playing really, really well this season, and you know they're rightfully where they're where they're meant to be because they've picked up that many points, they've scored that many goals. But I really do feel like we're starting to turn a corner a little bit. I feel, you know, if we can manage to get a result tomorrow, then we'll be 75% of the way around that corner, I feel. And if we can get a positive result tomorrow, I genuinely think it will kick us on from now till the split and we'll be comfortably in the top six um, by the time the split comes. But, I think um, I think Montgomery I, I needs think, it. I think he needs it as well, I but I, I don't like what Ryan says. I don't think he I needs think it to save his job. Ryan's I think he needs it for just for like Hibs' sake. We've got to beat Hearts. We've not beaten them in fucking ages, I man. I don't think to save his job, but I do think that a heavy defeat tomorrow would be the would be that last wee notch that folk because I think in the last couple of weeks folk who were veering on their way of. Monty out of yeah. slowly coming back. I think if we get beat tomorrow, we don't. I just feel that tomorrow's tomorrow's vital. If we go there tomorrow and we get turned over, like it's curtains in my I don't. Opinion. I don't like, think I don't, we will. I know Johnson's. I know John. I know Johnson somehow survived it. Um, but I just think the tide of opinions turned on Montgomery so quickly that, um, for me, I know it's you're talking about racking up points in that Ryan to get into Europe and. We're playing these teams a game, but for me tomorrow it's must not lose. Ah, we absolutely, yeah, yeah. even just for morale for the players, like they should take a lot of heart for the fact that this all conquering Hearts team went two 0 up the last time, and we brought it back within ninety seconds yeah. of scoring one. Um, yeah. We should also take a small amount of heart 
in the fact that I we lost against them in uh, December, but it took a last minute switch off in concentration. And there was there was really nothing in it. Like it. I mean, there's there's a width and a four sheet of paper between the two teams and the two games that we played this season. Um, so I do think we have got it in us to turn up and and give them more than a more than a decent game. But again, it's one of those ones where it's performance over style and points over anything else. So, like I say, it's a, coming away with there with one point is better than. And I think Monty will realise that as well, though, Craig, with performance over style. And I, I think he'll so. realise that, yeah, it's, it's great to be, you know, a free flowing attacking, attacking team. But at the end of the day, these are the games that the fans mark on their calendars early doors. You always look for when the derbies are, and you know if you if we didn't win any game in the whole season, but we beat Hearts at least once, then you know you'd you'd be chuffed, uh, which is it's yeah. baffling, but it's just the way the football fans are. But um, we will now move on to our listener questions. Now it's time to answer the hip ramble listener questions. So. As always, we'll start with John McIntosh. Craig, you were having your dinner just off air. John wants to know what you had for your dinner and is the top six back on? There we go. If you're listening, John, it was a McCrispy with some fries and a double cheeseburger. There we go. Peak shape, peak shape from you, Craig. Ryan, what did you have? Vulcan. Vulcan. I've not had mine yet. I'm waiting for the missus to come home, but I'm having beef stroganoff and rice. Say what? Nice stroganoff and creamy. is sensational, by the way. Stroganoff. It has to be nice mm-hmm. and creamy, yeah. Like the sauce has to be quite yeah. thick. And to make sure that Sean's listened, I'm going to guess that he's summoned some. Nah, he'll be having like. Um, <laughs> he had he had uh, like chicken and chorizo risotto last week, so. Aye, it'll probably be some sort, some sort of like prawn, stir fry, pasta, something like that. Yeah. And um, Mark's having his um, box of Crayola. For, <laughs> for me, uh, we've got some pulled barbecue pulled pork tonight that we're going to chuck in some uh, baguettes and then going to put in the oven with some, with some cheese. So uh, cheesy pulled pork baguettes, chips. Top tier. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Just the <laughs> two pork cheese and baguette. We're having the cheesy two pork baguette. <laughs> was, I mean, I haven't even started drinking yet, man. Um, next up, Billy says, on a scale of one to ten, one being not fussed at all, ten being lying in the shower playing Adele and sobbing. How gutted will you be when Emiliano and Mizani leave in the summer? I think I'll be 11, which is sitting in the shower with my socks on, rocking back and forward, listening to Adele. I've just got two words. Won't be back. (laughs) If Bill Foley Foley is listening, you need to uh, splash the cash, get them in. Do whatever it takes. Aye. That's the same as the saying goes, lads. You never ever fall in love with a yeah, player. I think we'll probably end up falling in love with. I think over the last three seasons, we've probably fallen in love with one each season. Mm. 
if you go from COVID to now? Because, I mean, Will Fish, technically, Egan last Riley season, well. so was Egan Riley. Yeah, Egan Riley. Egan Riley, yeah. Riley last season as well. Yeah. James Scott. And then, oh, James Scott. Uh, or Nathan Wood. <laughs> Nathan Wood. So maybe this uh, that season, I'm talking shite, but this season there's a couple of candidates. I would, I'll give you the two players that Liam has fallen head over heels for in the time that I've known him. The two players that he would hang his hat on to be the best players to ever play for the club were Chris Muller and Harry McCurdy. <laughs> I stand by it. I stand by it. I used to respect your opinion, bro. <laughs> there's your football, football, high football. Mate, I stand too. by it. Chris I Muller, what a guy, man. And it's not coming from the guy that's to my right, left. Me? I've, got a, for me. I've actually got a yeah. USA Chris Mueller shirt <laughs> that I got when he signed. And he was here know. for about 10 minutes and now he's away back. And that, that YouTube compilation must have been buying Mate, like, I still keep up with what, how he's doing. He's been injured for a long time. An MLA. What is he in Chicago he's Fire? He's a captain. He's no a captain. Way. So I'm a. Yeah, mind the picture with the owl. Mind that. The picture <laughs> with the owl on the mile. I'm a listen. I'm a big. I'm a big Chris Mueller man. I'm a big Chicago man, of course. Uh, you know, I've never been to Chicago, but I just love Chris Mueller so much. So, you know, love the pizza. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, Chicago. Please, I thought it was just a fucking pizza, man. <laughs> when you hear about when you see about like the Chicago town pizzas and you think of these ones actually in Chicago, the big thick uh, cheesy tomato pies that you got over there. Chris Muller is the one that you bung in the mouth oh, to be no, <laughs> come on. And comes out like fucking molten lava and rocks all that. That is Muller. Burn the roof of your mouth. I'm not gonna be Chris, back on, on this podcast, by the way, if, if I hear any more Chris Muller slander. Right. Chris Muller is like opening a chicken and mushroom pot noodle. And Mate, you obviously like weren't there against Arbroath. Yeah, when we, when he scored to make it 3-1 the part-time team. That was and one of the like, best that. days <laughs> of my life. Mind that time you went up to him at the sponsors? No, he never paid it. me. I've got a picture to prove oh. that he never paid me. He was going, hey man, love the podcast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> love the freaking hey, podcast, Lando. man. <laughs> Uh, moving swiftly on Kevin Wilson says much improved performance actually quite enjoyed some of our attacking play and credit due for not crumbling after conceding delighted for Venti he badly needed that goal and like Ryan said a superb assist I think hopefully we'll now see Venti kick on and especially with uh, Melida you know hitting top form now as well you know the sky's the limit really for, for our attackers Uh, and we've got a good blend. Although I would say that he needs to have a better penalty because that one, if the keeper goes the right way, is so a, it's fine. No, I know, but I mean, he needs to have a bit more conviction. This is this is the, the gripe I have when people say, "Oh, it's no great penalty." The keeper dived the wrong way. It went in. Yeah, no, but there's a you can argue about whether it's been struck. Yeah, no, probably, but. Well, if he's if he's nonchalant about taking it and the goalie does go the right way, yeah, uh, you needed it. I would always say have probably one of your better strikers of the ball on penalties just to clean, hit the ball cleanly right through it. But 
he probably needed that more than anybody in the team. So I don't know whether it was a decision of before the game, if we get a penalty, you take it, whatever. But that's four goals and three assists in his time now. He, he could do a racking up a bit of numbers um, in the goals tally. Assists, don't mind too much as long as he's scoring. But yeah, he needs to kind of kick on and prove why we brought him in for the fee we did. We've seen flashes, but we need more consistent kind of numbers from him, given that he will be playing higher up now and yeah, not coming I so mean, deep. Hopefully, hopefully that we're going to start seeing from John Bentley again. But uh, we've got Keith up next, and he's saying, glad to finally have a league win again and really pleased for Venti given uh, he was being left out lately. As we see Agent Naismith make hearts lie down against his true love, <laughs> by how much are we going to lose the derby by? <laughs> Fair enough. I'll tell you what, Ryan, that's, uh, that's bold. That's bold. We need defeat here. Was that a zero or three? <laughs> well, that's the mentality, man. We're not going to get beat. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I mean, I think if you go into this, into these games and go, oh, fucking, can see it far enough, then chances are that energy is going to, like, move on to the park. But if you're going in a little bit confident, a little bit spring your step, looking forward to it, then we're probably still going to get beat, but at least you'll be happier than before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The narcissist in me, right, would love us to get abs- get an absolute doing and then steal it with two, three minutes to go. Yeah, that, that But then... But like a one mil mm. one type thing. Yeah, that for me is the dream. Like, I've seen, how many times have we seen us play them off the park and get, and yeah. get done? The last half is prime example, isn't it? We didn't play them off the park, but they win it in the last kick of the ball, basically. I would love, I would fucking love to get a result like that over them. Kevin Keegan. Yeah, I would love it. Love it. Love it if we beat them. Love it. Aye. That Naismith's got to go to Rugby Park and get some. <laughs> or Neil Warnock when he goes, I want to beat Plymouth so fucking much, lads. You've got to for three points. Uh, next up, Colin McLennan. He says, if Hibs were a breakfast cereal, who would they be and why? And I think... I think this season, I think this season, uh, like earlier in the season, we we would have been Cheerios because we had strength on the outside and fuck all through the middle. (laughs) I would say, Kim, I actually thought about this when I seen it. I would say Crave, expensively assembled, but leaves you like disappointed. Don't know why I quite like Crave. Aye, but you're paying Aye. four quid a box for a big, effectively a bag of crisps. So I was thinking there, Weabix, very basic, till you put the sugar on. You got your Marcondes, Maalida. So once you put your sugar on, you're talking. That's, that's cracking, baby. <laughs> your sugar bananas. Aye. Aye, like you just add all these wee bits and pieces, and you make it a make it a class breakfast. Weabix with hot milk. But there you go, see? There's your hot uh, Welsh. Sounds like it should be all right, but in theory, it's actually shit. Well, Weabix with hot milk. <laughs> you know what I like is, is the, the Weabix, the, the mini ends. Minis. Oh. Yeah, chocolate minis, right. Have you had them, right? They're quality. Nah, man, I'm, I go to work in the middle of the night, eh? So there's no time for breakfast oh, in my house. You need, to get, you need to get on the Weabix minis train because it is leaving the station. Choo choo! I hate for oh, my 
Yeah, cereal for tea now and again is alright. Like, I'm telling you. Hang on, with that cereal is that fucking you get about two and a half bowls of it, and it says oh you get twelve portions or whatever it is, but that's if you have like uh, you have four of the wee bits. If you're having like proper yeah. good Liam and Craig portions, you only get a couple of good bowls of it. <laughs> And then you, need, then you get a half <laughs> point and you mix it with fucking... Those two questions that they talk about, that's like if you're taking one of them and dunking it in your tea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, fucking rich tea. If risk. you're left with like a half bowl, you need to mix it with something else, like fucking Cocoa Pops or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't uh, mind true. a cereal cocktail. Like, it's not bad. Oh, oh fucking cereal cocktail. I've not had one for years. Nah, that's but... when you're screwed. That's like a couple of days before payday. You got stale uh, fucking... Steel as fuck fucking takes you half an hour to chew it. And it's not even it's not even full bits, it's just all the bits that in the bag. Cocoa pops and the frosted sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh moving on, we've got Gav Dick and he says honestly could have won it three or four one. Uh, best performance for a while. Dundee showed very little. Do you think Malida will be made permanent? I think I said it. I think I said it last week. I think we need to go balls to the wall for getting them in in the summer. I mean, at least try. There's not a single person, not a single Hibs fan that wouldn't want him to sign permanently. I would think so. Coming from the clubs that he's played for in the past, his wages may be a stumbling block. I know that we've got money from Belfoli, but how sustainable is it to pay somebody mass mass wages over a two three year Why contract? Don't we get we are Bournemouth by him. Yeah, that's. I asked Bournemouth to sign him and then let him play for us for free for the next three or four years. Yeah, and then he does, he does a year or a year and a half at Hibs and he goes to Lorient and Bournemouth or something like that. I'm, I'm just surprising. His wages might not be that big, but I mean, coming to, he's play, obviously played for clubs like Hertha Berlin. They're going to pay, be paying a lot more than probably what we would pay our yeah, highest sure. earner. But, ten million pounds as well, eh? Like if you go if you're going for ten million pounds, you're getting the wages of a ten million pound player. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But I mean, you've seen the difference that some of the players have made already. So to have them over a long term kind of period be And even if this is the quality of player yeah. that we can get in, then hopefully if they do go in the summer and we don't get them back in, we'll be able to replace them with uh, players of similar quality. So fingers crossed. That's where you Aye, that's that's just kind of where you hope the the recruitment side of things and uh, Brian McDermott have kind of hit their level now. They know the profile that they want. They know how to identify them, bring them in, and that's consistent. We've seen in the past couple of windows, you know, a wee bit of scattergun, whereas this January one, I think other than a centre half, we hit the Definitely. right notes. Uh, next up, Harvey Scott, and this is actually a this is actually a pie review. And can I just say that my pie on Saturday was absolutely cracking. I think I've cracked the code, Craig. You need to go down. Like, nah, nah, nah. I went down when I went down was when the penalty was given because I heard a big cheer. So I like I ran back through and I was like, "What's happened?" And it was a penalty. And I was like, "Oh wow, brilliant!" And uh, so I watched the penalty and then went back down. So I think it was what about 33 minutes or something. We we got the penalty. Uh, So that's when I went down and they must have just cooked up a new batch. And it was oh lad, honestly, the pie was. The pie was stupendous, no. but this isn't about me. This is about Harvey's pie. It could be cooked in fucking Marco Pierre White's oven. The pies that we got. Well, my pie, wasn't it? Pie. So, 
Shut your fucking well, fat mouth. You've got a pallet of three-year-olds, so your opinion's irrelevant. Shut up, man, honestly. Fucking flabberdeen. <laughs> uh, right, Harvey said... <laughs> oh, shut up. Harvey, no. He said, uh, here's my pie review from Easter Road for this season since I've had my best ever pie on Saturday. It was a mint pie. Scotch pie. He oh, said, oh, listen, go and don't talk to our listeners like that. These are the people that pay our wages. Temperature 5. Perfect eating okay. temperature. Didn't burn my mouth for once. Price 4 out of 5. Can't complain. £2.70 is not that bad. It's not actually that bad, to be fair, for a Scotch pie. Crust, four out of five. Nice rim. Not too hard, not too soft. And the bottom stayed compact and it didn't fall apart. And the filling was five out of five. Incredibly seasoned and a good amount of mince. But not too much to the point it would fall out. Decently moist mince. And he's given it an... (laughs) 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 He's given it an 18 out of 20. (laughs) Obviously, he's missed out uniqueness, so... You get, I mean, he's going to get a 19 out of 25 because a one for a, a Scottish pie, but decently moist mince. That's some that line, might make by it the onto the on to the next mug. This one on the mug at the moment, it says, I don't like a hard rim. I like my rims to be a little softer so I can get in easier. That's what that's what Sean said. That's Sean's mind. Was that Sean? What was what was Sean talking about? Pies, talking obviously. About was it was it? A what else would they be talking about? So, what did he say? Two two seventy is a good price for a pie. Is that exclusively? Is that exclusively a pie at the football though? Yeah, aye, 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 aye. Or a pie. I was going to say because if that's Edinburgh prices for a pie, fuck no, me. No, you can get you can get half. But if it's a football pie, that's. I good. like getting the the pies at Aldi's and that the wee pies that come in pack me too. Chuck them in the oven for mm. twenty minutes and then. Bash your lunch sorted. Jeff is saying um, Melida needs to sign the contract. Same with Mariah Welsh. I think Mariah Welsh has already signed the contract. So, I mean, yeah, I checked transfer market today because somebody asked me. And usually, if it's just on loan, it'll say like end of loan uh, and when it ends. But for Mariah Welsh, it, there was yeah, no, he, there, he, has so. signed, he, has, he has a permanent signing, yeah. So, and I. Maybe yeah, I think um, deal at the end of the end of the season, maybe. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if you remember, but Jake Dollar has got a new deal quite soon into his first season mm-hmm. with Hibs. So that was it about six months into his first spell, his first season. <laughs> so uh, Mariah Melsh might end up the same way. You never know. Eh? Six months to nine. Yeah. Here you go. Uh, and the last question uh, uh, from Twitter this week has come from Albert Street. <laughs> I'm not too sure if I should be saying this on the pod, but I'll say it anyway. Um, he says HSL need shit canning, not fit for purpose, and certainly not for Hibernian FC's best interest. Um, we will find out a lot more uh, after tonight's AGM. Obviously, there's been a lot of chat uh, about HSL Craig and, and how they're going to vote on the Bill Foley deal. It seems to all kind of be hanging on on uh, one man at the moment, Leslie Rob. But I think the you know, the feeling in the camp is maybe that we're going to see it go through rather than seeing it blocked. Yeah, I think just touching on the HSL part to begin with, we have reached out to HSL to see if they'd want to come on um, to discuss the investment from the Black Knight uh, sports group, but they've not got back to us as of yet. Um, 
HSL as well, I think there's a lot of people who are not really understanding how it operates. So HSL as an entity are not making the decision to vote against our, uh, amendments or resolutions five and six, I believe it is, which is the dilution of shares and then also forces a compulsory share purchase if an individual reaches 80% ownership in the future, which would almost effectively wipe. So all the guys that are at the AGM tonight, these guys that hold token shareholdings to say that they own a part of the club, that would all go. That would disappear. There would be no sort of public, in a way, AGM. Um, the issue that I've got around the HSL thing is that there's over, I believe, 4,000 members and only 80 votes were cast. Um, and I believe it was something like 53 or 54 people voted no. Um, so they're going to put forward no to the amendments, uh, the resolution, sorry, five and six. Um, you could argue for days about whether HSL has been good or not. Ultimately, they didn't capitalise on any early momentum that they got. There's been next to zero from them over the past three, four years, maybe since COVID hit, at least. I know we gave them, um, HSL gave the club money during COVID to sort of help with running costs and things. Um, but yeah, I do think it is... The minute Ron Gordon took over and said that there would be no new shares issued going forward, there was no point in them existing because they were never going to get into a position where they were going to reach the the threshold to be able to block things like tonight happening if they so wish to do so. Um, so I, I think I do I do share their concerns to a certain extent um, because ultimately we all want a club to leave for our kids and grandkids to support in the future. This amendment, these these amendments to the resolutions and the articles of association, remove that from our control in a way. So, I do get it to an extent, but they've not gone about it, in my opinion, the right way since even formation. I mean, they've been going for about ten years. Um, and again, you've barely heard from them in the last five year, four or five years, and even then, uh. The HSL chairman going on Sky Sports and speaking the way that he did, I don't think necessarily helped yeah. the case either. Uh, so that is yeah. uh, our financial correspondent, Big Leach, reporting. Again, HSL, we have reached out to you to come on. If you do want to come on and talk to us about it, we're more than welcome to have you on to to hear the to hear your thoughts on it and to get your views across. To Absolutely, the, but Ryan, obviously, we'll just uh, we'll end on that note, but we'll we'll learn a little bit more after tonight's AGM about. What direction the club going in in terms of the Black Knight uh, football club sort of stuff? So, uh, if it was up to you, what would you do? Oh, for fuck's sake! I thought they must lose. Must <laughs> not fucking lose. It's going to be the hardest. Um, no, I can definitely understand uh, the point of view that Craig's coming from. Ultimately, you, you want your club to have its own identity to to a certain degree, and you still want to have the the kind of working class background and roots of the club kind of in the fabric and the DNA of what, what Hibs are and what, what they will be in the future. So you you don't want to go away from that. However, I think uh, it's a huge opportunity that we we'll probably never see again if we don't seize it just now. Um, otherwise, we'll always be playing catch-up because if it's not us, it could quite easily be somebody else that gets invested in that leaves us even further down well, the path. We've been so, that, you know, with St. Johnson and Motherwell having some interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely so. I think, and the thing is as well is to highly. I don't think anything like this would ever be possible for Harps either. So as soon as James Anderson stopped pumping money in, yeah, 
Yeah, they, 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 they require something like 90% of the foundation to agree. I, I do think that, obviously, with, with the Gordons being there, they've got the club's best intentions at heart. I think we've seen that and they've proved it over the last three, four years that they've been here. So, so long as they work in coalition and agreement, and I suppose kind of diplomatically with each other and the retrospective parties, um, I think everything will be okay for the future. So, albeit a discussion is obviously going to happen at the AGM tonight and we will know more, but I think it's an opportunity we can't turn well, down. We heard it here first, folks. Ryan Melville of the Hibs Ramble says, get them in. Give us the money. <laughs> and we'll end on that point. Thank you for listening if you've got this far. Uh, of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Our uh, handle is at the Hibs Ramble. You can find us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all your podcast players. And uh, once again, Craig and Ryan, thanks very much for joining me tonight. And um, away and enjoy your tea, Ryan. Away and enjoy your tea. Cheerio. Bye. Let's get ready to rumble.